Welcome to the Pac-12 Apostles. We got something new for y'all. We just stepped into the big leagues, baby. What's going on with these recruiting classes in the conference? UCLA has big money problems again. Oregon State has a $50 million donor, and we got to figure out who it is. The Pac-12 tournament may or may not go on, depending on testing, maybe if if that doesn't affect the NCAA tournament. And we're going to talk about the message boards and the mods in the Pac-12. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, the podcast by Pac-12 fans, for Pac-12 fans, where you get the absolute truth. We come to you guys, and we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to give you everything that you need, everything that you want. And you guys can shoot us a message. I'm Matt, I-M-M-A-D, at unafraidshow.com. You can tweet us at Pac-12 Apostles or him at, at Ralph Amsden, me at George Reister. Yeah. What, uh, what, what? Oh, leave a five-star review. Despite what this man over here tells you, leave a five-star review and a comment. And yeah, despite what Ralph tells you, because he's just okay with whatever. Do what you feel. Do what you feel. If you feel like it's a five-star podcast, leave five stars. Maybe you don't feel that way. I support the listener. <laughs> oh, 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 I support the listener. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so many of you guys have taken advantage of our Easter egg in the last two episodes. Some of you have not heard it yet. That means you're skipping around. You're missing crucial info. So we will give it out again. The information. And some of you guys have been on top of it. And we're going to have something special for you people uh, who take advantage of that who know about it. But remember, you are not allowed to tell people if they don't know. Would you agree with that, Ralph? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I thought I thought you wanted this to I thought you wanted to spread. I, I don't want trolls to I, I don't want trolls to get involved. I do want it to be fun. So, yeah, I would say I would say if you're going to use it uh, then definitely um, use it and, and spread it to other people who are listeners. No, and, no, you have to listen to get but if, it. Yeah, but if you're just writing it down and posting it on like no, a bathroom sh- stall. Come on, man. You can't keep a secret. Can't tell you anything. Jeez Louise, <laughs> bro. Oh, man. Dude, I can't even imagine if you What's found up? out that your brothers or sisters were getting a present. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's over. <laughs> Oh. I uh so what's that? I'm I'm gonna get all high and mighty, but what's the Washington Post slogan? Democracy dies in darkness. I believe in democracy. I believe in keeping everything out in the open. Oh, so did did they do? Were they keeping democracy in the light when they tw- when their headline read about Marty Schottenheimer? <laughs> oh my god! Where is that Marty Schottenheimer? NFL coach whose teams wilted in the playoffs dies at 77. I was like, what? That might have been the worst headline I've ever seen. I mean, that was the most passive aggressive. Actually, was that even passive aggressive or that was just aggressive? That's in very bad taste. It felt very much like uh, 
the Piers Morgan, Larry King send off <laughs> from a few weeks ago. Oh yeah. When, when Piers Morgan came out and he was like, ah, well, he couldn't make his marriages work. Now he's dead. Admired him, but he was mean the one time we met. Like, like what? See, but, okay, there is an element of keeping it 100 at people's funerals, though, that a lot of people don't. They only want to, they don't want to talk about the bad things. They're only going to, ah, we're we're, we're not going to mention that. We're not going to mention the fact that this dude was a bad guy. We're just going to talk about all the perfect things. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, not too many people in my bloodline have done an, enough good in their life to ignore all the uh, other stuff. So we, we we have no choice but to keep it real because there's not enough to like, when there's more dirt than rug. <laughs> when the rug is just a dirt hat. Yeah, no, we can't sweep anything. Okay, well, well that's a good analogy for the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is getting a new commissioner and there's no dirt. There's not enough dirt for the to sweep under the rugs. And Larry Scott's obviously on the way out and the commissioner from um I'm sorry, the athletic director from Utah had some very interesting comments about the new commissioner. Here is what the uh, athletic director said about the new commissioner that the one big line you need somebody who has experience in college athletics or somebody who has been on a campus in another position and understands the role the conference should play so i thought that that immediately said to me that where we believed where we we had heard from john wilner when i interviewed him on my, my my show um oh on Mad Dog Sports Radio, you guys go listen to it Monday through Friday. And you guys can listen to me and Ralph as well if you guys like this on the pack, I mean on the Right or Wrong podcast. So, anyways, um, I thought that we heard from Wilner that they probably weren't going to consider current athletic directors, but I think that Utah's AD saying you should consider other athletic directors. Oh, absolutely. It feels like a, an endorsement of Gene Smith before the fact. Does it not? Like it, it, it feels like they're they're trying to say you should be doing more than just considering the athletic director from Ohio State. Like they have experience in this conference as the AD at yeah. ASU, and and you need somebody in that role because so, I mean he he or really Jim, outlines Jim it when he says out of Washington. Yes, uh, but you said Oregon. that you don't think that it would be internal. Yeah. Um, but he said, if there's not a connection between the conference office and the athletic departments, you can't understand how to help them win. So he's saying, if you want to win or you want somebody who understands how to help you win, you need somebody who has worked as an athletic director. That's as clear, crystal clear. Right. <laughs> right. Correct. It's a different, like, okay, if you're in charge of the WTA, Women's Tennis Association, you are used to a different fight than the fight for football. Like the, the, the fight was to get the women equal pay as men. The fight was to get equal TV billing, all of these things to promote your stars. The, that's not the same fight because now you're looking, you go to these, to, to the Pac-12, which what Larry Scott did. And then the fight is, hold up. Like we need to make things equal. That's why he fought so hard for Olympic sports. 
Like Olympic sports do matter, but they matter a lot less than football and basketball. Because those are the revenue generating sports. So while you want them to be good in your conference and you should encourage it, you you have to get football fixed and operating at a high level first. Yes. And, And I also think you need somebody who sees the direction that things are going and is able to get out ahead of or at least ride on top of the current instead of always being uh, a follower because you're not privy to the direction uh, that athletics is moving because you have that disconnect uh, and you don't have those resources. And so you, you want somebody who can talk to six or seven different athletic directors that they used to serve with um, or who they work with once it moved out to other schools to be able to say like, all right, what's the thinking on this particular issue? Um, and that's just not, that's just not something that you're going to get with anybody who isn't already within that side of the industry. Yeah. Um, and he also went on to say, Chris Hill, the Utah AD went on to say, you don't want the TV piece to be so overwhelming that they don't do the first one, which is to fix football and fix all of that. Um, he said, former Big Ten commissioner, Jen Delaney, didn't do it by himself, make the Big Ten the highest generating uh, re- revenue in their media rights deal. And he said, you have to understand it, but you don't want to get carried away because there's the whole other thing that you have to do. And that's help the campuses because the league is better if everybody wins. And that's, yes. a, and that's a fact because right now in the Pac-12, Oregon's winning in terms of national brand, national recognition. USC has that built in. They just have to win football games. Washington has a shot. I mean, ish. You know, because they've been to the playoff. Arizona State is trying to overcome, you know, decades of we're we're we can do it. We're almost there. Like it can Washington. I mean, Arizona State can be special. You know what I mean? Like when in reality, the Pac-12 needs to look more like the SEC in that you have one dominant team and you have two choices right at this point in time. You have Oregon and you have USC. Those are your real choices at this point. Um, And then you need, and that's where uh, Alabama has been that in the SEC. And then the tier down from Alabama, there's Georgia, there is sometimes it's Auburn, sometimes it's LS, LSU. Like that's the second tier down. And that's where, you know, some combination of USC or Oregon at the top and then UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Some teams have to be in that middle tier rotating out every year. And then that third tier has to still be upper tier competitive and then be beyond that, you just need your bottom teams to be able to beat the other conferences' bottom teams. Like, you don't need them to be good because you don't want them so good that they can beat your top teams. You want your top teams exclusive. But you want your bottom teams to still be more well-regarded than the other league's bottom teams. It's weird because it flies in the face of that whole, like, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Mm-mm. But... But not in this case, like because it, the stronger your weakest link is, like the more damage that you could incur. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, 
yeah, you, you do need as a conference everything to sort of work in concert, which it's tough when you and it's amazing that the SEC has figured out a way to make that work. And we've talked at length on this show that it, it has a lot to do with just a similar culture across the entire spectrum uh, of the region and the tradition and everything like that. And that's not necessarily the case out here. Um, but you, you do need everything to kind of work in concert while everyone is also taking aim at each other. Um, and that's just a really unique thing. Of, and that's why a lot of people avoid the conference first mindset altogether. And they just want to get theirs because it so much flies in the face of, um, of, of what it is that, uh, of, of what it is that we're used to. But if you really think about it, like, let's say you're a USC fan, or let's say that you at the very least are, are a UFC employee. Um, that fighting league got so big that it was able to knock the other ones out of competition, which yeah. made mo- more money for everybody involved within the UFC. And so you, you at least at the very least, if you don't have great success on the field, you still want relevance because relevance is, is what's going to make you and everybody involved the most money and what gets you relevant. Like somebody always has to be in the news and usually it's excellence or a complete dysfunction that, that will keep somebody in a, in a news cycle. And only one of those makes you money. Absolutely. Um, so hopefully they get the higher right. Cause it is imperative that that happens. And one of the things that's big time affected by the, by the commissioner and how the conference is led is the recruiting classes. And this year you had, at least on 24-7, Oregon finished sixth, USC finished eighth, you had Cal finished 28th, UCLA rallied with only 18 commits, finished 30th, Washington 35th, and then on down, geez Louise, Stanford uh, came up to 50th, which is not a typical you know, Stanford class, Arizona State 53. because And that's a weird class to me. Well, actually, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. And then you go Washington State 60, Colorado 64, Arizona 77. Is that everybody? No, I missed the Beavers yet. Um, oh, Lord. <laughs> no, I had to have missed Oregon State, right? Possible? Did they even have? Oh my God! One hundred and nine. <laughs> they only had ten commits. Okay, so I don't think Oregon Oregon State didn't even qualify to be counted uh, in in the rivals rankings. I don't even think they're part of the rivals rankings, man. Okay, see here. Here's the thing: is so there were four hundred less commits uh, signed this year than the either of the previous last two years. So there was 2,600 and some change uh, in 2020 and 2019. But this year with that plus one year, you've created, the NCAA has created a problem. I mean, obviously the pandemic created the problem, but you've created a problem where 400 less high school students that would be getting a ride to go to school aren't doing it. And then there are so many kids stuck in the portal that can't get out because they count one for one against this 25 number. So you're going to have so many teams under the 80, 
under the 85 scholarship limit and no way to get it back up. Yeah. Uh, the nice built-in excuse for teams that didn't do well in the end recruiting rankings is just to say, well, this year shouldn't actually really count. Um, and also the way that recruiting is changing. And if we decide to take eight guys out of the transfer portal, instead of take a risk on eight new recruits, then those obviously don't factor into the recruiting rankings. Therefore our standing isn't truly represented. And I think that it's fair, but you don't want to be using that as excuse with the high school players that are available to you. You want to say, okay, everybody's in the situation. If I'm typically in the thirties, um, as far as my overall recruiting ranking, I don't want to be in the seventies and eighties this year, especially if everybody's sort of taking the same strategy, you know? So you have to look at it like, yeah, our change uh, might have a built in excuse for it, but if everyone has the same excuse, why are we dropping? And that brings me some genuine concern for Stanford, Arizona state, Arizona, um, and definitely Oregon state who doesn't even make the, the top 110 um, on rivals and barely does on 24 seven. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, that's uh, – and some people will blame it on the smaller recruiting classes, but I don't think that that's exclusively it because you had Cal sign 19, UCLA 18, Utah 18, Washington 15, Stanford 16, and, and Arizona State 13. Lane Kiffin once signed a class of 13 dudes that was in the top 10. So, I, I mean, and when you go down, Clemson's at number, I know Clemson's separate, but they have 19 commits. They're at fifth. You have Oklahoma, 16. They're at 11th. So it's quality of recruit. And we've been over time and time again where people will try to tell you stars don't matter. Stars don't matter on an individual basis, but they do on a collective basis. That you have a better chance of winning football games with higher ranked players as opposed to one individual kid, a two-star kid can go on to be a Hall of Famer. But when you speak in grand terms and overall, the better your recruiting classes are, the better that you're going to do. North Carolina, 14, 19 commits. Uh, Penn State, 21 with 16 commits. Like This is the problem. Yeah, that's a, but that excuse is so it's it, that's like saying that somebody's GPA in school doesn't matter because you you know somebody who got a 2.0 but went on to be a CEO. <laughs> like they're the exception, not the rule. Like the number one indicator that somebody is going to be successful later is if they're successful now. Period. And we have <laughs> metrics to quantify that. So um it, and and it, and if you look at where people finish uh, consistently within the conference standings or nationally, it almost always corresponds with how they did in recruiting. And when it doesn't correspond, that's when you see people get massive raises and bigger jobs and everything like that, because they found a way in the moment to work the system and they're able to, able to take advantage of it ultimately. But no, it, it is like, we absolutely use those to decide whether or not something's going to be successful because we have 20 years of proof. Yep. Um, side, side note, why are you dressed like you go to LSU? <laughs> oh, man. Um, first of all, this is a Wyoming Cowboys hat. 
so shout out to they, they just made a big uh, a big uh, offensive coordinator hire after their offensive coordinator took the Montana State job. I heard there was a couple of Pac-12 coordinators that were up for that Montana State job. So that keeps some coordinators in house. And then uh, I, I, everyone's been talking about the best Super Bowl halftime performer ever. Um, and I, I had to rep print. So I have the uh, the game blouses. Pancake shirt. Purple rain. Yeah, that's what I'm talking Wasn't about. That's that the coldest thing when it when he started singing Purple Rain and then it actually started raining. Oh yeah, there's an eight minute NFL films video that if you look it up on YouTube, Prince NFL Films. It's eight minutes long and it's the uh, the people who were responsible for putting that together. And it starts off with them saying they called Prince to tell him, "Hey, bad news, it's gonna rain tonight." Uh, and Prince's response was, "Can you make it rain harder?" <laughs> It was like, yes, yeah. Dude, because as a performer, there's nothing. I went to uh, Jay Z and Beyonce concert and it rained. That didn't deter anybody. That only made the crowd that much more into it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I, I mean, the only show I've ever been to where it was raining, it was like they were an electronica band. And then they were nine songs, and they're like, "Hey guys, uh, we want to play for you. We also don't want to die." We have all this equipment up here, and I think we might die. So they shut the whole thing down. Um, there are a bunch of dudes though that have like we like we paid attention to the commits, and truthfully, they're out of the the commits and all that hasn't really changed a whole lot. But the transfer portal has been kind or unkind to a bunch of teams, like USC. Their class has been like this has been an incredible recruiting class for them, considering what last year's disaster. And then they got Katie Nixon from Colorado, the wide receiver. Uh, uh, Keontae Ingram, the running back transfer from USC. I don't know how impactful that's going to be because USC can't run the football. So, um, (laughs) They got Xavier Alford, a safety from Texas, and Ishmael so- uh, Sofer. Wait, so- oh, Sopcher. Yeah, Sopcher. no, he, yeah. he was a big time recruit coming out of high school. Yeah, he was a yeah, he was a big time four star, high four star recruit, trans- transfer from Alabama. So, and they're then, looking good. Yeah, and then you have on Oregon's team, they have uh, they don't have any of. Official transfers yet, but they believe that they're getting um, Toyoto Oto. Wait, Toyoto. Oh, yeah. However you say his name, the the linebacker from Tennessee, and they believe that they're getting uh, JT Tool Tool Malau, which would then push them into a top five recruiting class just with JT Tool Malau, and then you have so. Of those two teams which finished in the top two in the Pac-12, whose recruiting class would you take? This year? Considering that USC's class has two quarterbacks and you can only use one. I personally, if, and this is, it's conditional. So if they land JT Tumalau, I like Oregon's class slightly better. I really, really do like USC's class. I personally would rather have Jake Garcia um, than both of the quarterbacks that they that they landed. Uh, but time will tell on whether or not I'm right on that. 
Uh, I thought you that, like him uh, better than Jackson Dart, who flew up the recruiting rankings. I do. I think Jackson Dart fits more in a Graham Harrell offense. But if Graham Harrell's still there, um, by the time Jackson Dart's ready to throw passes, then that means USC probably did something wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you are right about that. Um, another team that had a big time transfers, UCLA, six transfers. Kid from Old Dominion, Zach Charbonnet from Michigan, do safety from North Texas, Ethan Garbers from Washington, Cam Brown, a wide receiver from Texas A&M, and a safety from Notre Dame. Bro, like, like Chip Kelly, people thought he wasn't with it, dude. He's trying to win. Maybe I maybe I think the uh, the ocean views of the ocean <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic might, might have been the lead recruiter on a couple of these kids. Yep, I think a, a year like this, like why would you not want to go to um, to to L.A.? Like why if you've been cooped up in uh, in Old Dominion in Virginia? You know, and you have the opportunity to go anywhere, but the school on the California coast uh, wants you, and you know that you could at least probably do that if we're going to continue uh, down the road road that we're on. Um, then you know, you you might as well live in California. And yeah. so I, I feel like maybe Chip Kelly's doing a great job, or maybe the conditions are just set up just right to where they had the room and they're a, a better option just in in general for people at that age, but also in in a situation in which you weren't allowed to go anywhere or do anything for the last year. That's got to be super attractive. Um, Utah picked up transfers from Oklahoma and TJ Pledger running back, who was very highly recruited. Chris Curry running back from LSU, Charlie Brewer, the quarterback from Baylor. So now they have a quarterback Um, and Quindon Jackson, a uh, dual threat quarterback from Texas. Uh, Utah should be a better football team next season. I think that I think we, we were all under the understanding that they would get a little bit bigger and better and more experienced anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of these guys are going to make an instant, immediate impact. Obviously, they have an enormous Other hole in running backs. Yeah. Uh, but you could. I mean, Rising could he could come earn it back. It's the same staff, right? Yeah, they believed in him once, so we'll see if he's able to get um, if he's able to get healthy, or if if Utah's coaching staff is like so many others, where they view injury as a moral issue, character <laughs> issue, and write him off. You never know. Yeah, uh, Washington got three transfers after uh, Jimmy Lake said he he hates the transfer culture, and then they go get uh, a kid, a, a wide receiver from Texas Tech, a DN from Texas A and M. And a quarterback from from Colorado State, but you know he he hates the yeah. transfer culture. You're being you're being unfair. Somebody could hate uh, app based dating culture, but if you want to get with somebody, Tinder might be your best option. Like you can't you, you just them using Tinder doesn't you can't say like oh then you must enjoy this. Like no, they have to use the the thing that is available to them to keep up in these times. So I think, I think you're just being a hater right now. I think it's perfectly okay. I think it's perfectly okay to say that it's not something that you look highly upon, but that you have to participate in it. I mean, that's, that's just like people with their commute and traffic. Like I hate being in traffic, but it's cheaper to live in the suburbs. Like you always justify reasonable 
your your reasonable thought process here, Ralph. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the bottom of why you're you're hating. Do you like the transfer culture? I don't care. I I, I think that the that the coaches transfer all the time. I don't believe that, you. <laughs> what? I don't believe you. What don't you believe? Because we're sitting here talking about uh, with a glowing review. Oregon's fantastic recruiting class. You care when they choose Oregon? You care? Anybody cares when they choose you? Yes, I do care when they choose Oregon. But and we, So you wouldn't prefer that they stick around? You're excited to see them, but you don't care if they come or go. Well, I oh, – okay, here, here it is too. As far as my team goes, I have not been the victim of like, of like a good player being, being like, all right, I'm out. I mean, yes, we Oregon had a bunch of opt outs this year, but that but they didn't transfer. They just decided I'm going to the NFL unexpectedly when they were supposed to be coming back. So that was a little annoying. But as far as transfer culture, no. the The reason why I don't hate it is because coaches transfer all the time. They make the best decision for themselves. So why should I begrudge a kid? who figured out, I'm not going to play here. I signed at the wrong place. There is an element to it where I do believe some of these kids are getting bad advice that they don't want to play through adversity, which will make them better. Like I do believe, I believe that all those things are true, but I also believe that kids should get the one-time transfer uh, as their right. But don't you hate it? Don't you hate it when somebody makes an obviously bad decision? Like they could, they could just have a good college experience, but they transfer into a situation that you know isn't going to be any better for them. Like Washington State had a quarterback a while back. His name was Tyler Brugman. He didn't really vibe with Mike Leach, so he decided to transfer to Louisville. And it was, uh, and so did five other quarterbacks. And also, they had just recruited Lamar Jackson. So then it was like, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work out yes, for you. Exactly. So, so in year three, he went Juco. And then he ended up getting picked up by uh, Montana State. And then he grad transferred to Texas A&M. So he's a, he, he ends up in five different places. He wants to be at a big place, and sometimes that's not the best move for you. If you really want to play, right, once you get to a school, Sometimes the writing is on the wall. It's not apparent like immediately because you have to get better. You have to figure it out. So you do have to be able to like sit through some things. Sometimes you're not going to play first year. Sometimes you're not going to play second year. But when you get to that third year, you, you know, okay, either I have a chance to play here or I don't. And, and I think that that's kind of where the decisions need to be made. Sometimes I think kids, you know, they don't see it early. But sometimes kids, they do see it early. They're like, listen, I'm transferring from Oregon to Central Arkansas. Because they're like, yo, like, yeah. I'm not, I, I see that what, what's here or at USC and I'm going to, you know, uh, Portland State. Because they're like, hold on, I, I see what's going on. Like, I'm not that guy yet. Yeah. So I need somewhere where I can go play because I want to play. Right. So I'm I'm not mad at those kids, but when you start getting transfer, oh, I want to go to Montana State to go back to Texas A&M, like bro, like sometimes that ain't for you. Sometimes your path to your dreams is through North Dakota State. 
So the question, and I think that some people who maybe maybe have a you tell me if it's legitimate, but they might have actually like a legitimate criticism of the the times that we're living in and the amount of transfers that are happening, is because if you do make it more available to them, it could increase the likelihood that they quit or they don't persevere. So there's that mindset of it could kind of be for their own good. Like you could put a jar of cookies out on your kitchen table and you could tell your kids, nobody grab any cookies out of this jar um, while I'm gone. And then you leave and that temptation is there for them because it's out there in the middle of everything. But if you put it up on a high shelf and you don't let them know it's there, then you know maybe they're actually able to accomplish things a little bit better. I know that's a really rudimentary metaphor, but it's just like, do you set them up for failure by making quitting easier? Or is that the wrong perspective to have altogether? Okay. I think that sometimes kids do quit. They don't want to go through adversity. But sometimes they realize I made a mistake. You know, they're like, and, and you can't tell the difference between which kid is which. Because sometimes that transfer works out for them. Yeah. Um, next thing up. UCLA has the big money problems. Like uh, more money, actually less money, more problems. It's not more money, more problems. More money we come across, the more problems we see. No, no. They got, they have, uh, twenty-one million dollar operating deficit for twenty twenty. Granted, a lot of teams took a bath in twenty twenty with no NCAA tournament, no uh, fans in the stands, like normal. But this is the second straight year. But should I even should we even think that this is a big deal, Ralph? Because twenty million dollar loss sounds like a win in a pandemic year. I suppose, but they were already sort of trending in that direction. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna be able to get loans on this stuff. They got Jordan Brand as collateral now. They know that they have future income on the <laughs> on the way in and everything like that. And you know, college sports as a business still works. So you're, you, I don't think too many people are gonna lose their job over it. But that also always exists as a possibility to to be able to do some short term cost cutting. Um, because you don't, you don't want to go so far into, um, into debt or whatever. And so, you know, you, you never like to see that be the situation, but because it's happened two years in a row, it makes you wonder, you know, are, even if things get healthy are is the situation internal in, is, is the, the issue internal as to where no matter how healthy the situation gets for the conference with new negotiations or with Jordan brand or anything like that, are they doing things incorrectly that caused uh, them to be in harm's way financially? Yeah. So, um, Texas, e- even Texas saw their operating revenues drop by 120, I mean, by $23 million to just over $200 million. Um, and UCLA revenues fell to 97 million from, uh, 108 million in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. But, but their expenses did fall from 127 million to 119. And part of that was they spent $2 million (laughs) less in food. Instead of five million dollars in food, they spent three million. I told you that three million was the number. 
Okay, but you also vehemently defended them spending $5 million on food. Hey, man, these kids are bringing in the money. You feed them the creme de la creme. How do you, what do you feel like, though, if you walk onto that campus as a freshman and everybody told you it's filet mignon and lobster, surf and surf every meal, and you get there and it's like. $20 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cheese sandwiches. You get the crab meat with the K now. <laughs> <laughs> you get a crab stick. Dude, I am not in on crab crab sticks, bro. Like when I go to sushi rat restaurants, and if I get a California roll, which I like a lot, I'm like, no, give me give me real crab in mine. Thank you. I'm completely not surprised by any part of that story. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Like you don't you don't like real crab in your uh, California roll? Of it, course it, it, I do. Of it course does change, I do. But... Change the price from like six bucks to twelve bucks. But but, yeah, but no, no substitutes is your brand. <laughs> I will I will accept no substitutes. That's very much your brand. I'm uh I'm more of the like, oh, oh thank you, sir. <laughs> get what I can get. Like this this does feel like eating real crab. I feel like I'm on the coast right now. Meanwhile, you're holding a uh someone a, a hot dog that someone painted white <laughs> on one side. And, and you know what is crazy, dude? Okay, so 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 my wife for her birthday, she wanted uh, like a king crab leg dinner, right? Okay. So I went to Costco to go get some king crab. And they didn't have it out in the middle, like, because it was like a weekday. So, but I remember I was like, oh, they have it in the freezer section. And on the sticker, it was like 20 pounds for like 430 bucks or whatever, right? So then I was like, oh, we don't we don't eat 20 pounds of crab. You know what I mean? Like, it's only like, you know, everybody's not even going to eat crab. So I bought a 10 pounder. And we didn't eat all of it. We only ate half of it. And I stuck the rest of them in the freezer. You know, like uh, it's not the colossal legs, but they're giant crab, crab legs of the uh, king. Oh, excuse me. Of the king crab legs. And then the other day I was making some salmon and I was like, oh, yo. I'm going to make salmon Oscar style. And so, and then I was like, and then I went in the freezer to go get some crab legs. And then I told my wife, I was like, this is weird. Like I just went to the freezer and I just randomly have a uh, King crab legs just, just on deck. I thought, I thought it was weird. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, man, that segment brought to you by Pacific seafood. <laughs> <laughs> the the premier seafood <laughs> sponsor of the Pac-12. Pac <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god! Yeah, oh. I I kick us. You got to kick us some of that uh, that 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 salmon money. I I do wonder though, and I think we we actually like talked about it when they signed that deal with Pacific Seafood. Are the schools funneling money for? sustenance through these sponsors or they sponsor, should be is a sponsor essentially getting their money back is that how this is working they, hey yo they should be i'd be like yo i need you, you know we need we need 200 pounds of crab crab legs a quarter so better not see no gorton's fish yeah, sticks yeah hell no nah. <laughs> um, uh so yeah, so I we believe UCLA that we they will re recover and they have Jordan Brand now, new athletic director, seems to be doing a really good job. If he can build the football team into a winner, th this is a non-issue. Um, 
Oregon State, though, they got a $50 million anonymous donor and to help build up their stadium, finish their project, and the, the athletic facility, all this stuff. $50 million. It's an anonymous donor. So that let people to wonder who the hell it is. All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a few names of famous Oregon State alumni. You tell me on a on a scale of one to ten how likely it was this person that had something to do with it. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we got Jody Ann Patterson, the 2000 Playboy Playmate of the Year. She doesn't have fifty million dollars. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see here. We have. Uh, Meredith Phillips, star of ABC reality television show The Bachelorette. She doesn't have fifty million dollars. She she may not have five million dollars. So okay, okay. So so we're saying a no to that. Uh, Gary Payton, the two thousand Summer he Olympics gold medalist. Dollars. <laughs> he he didn't play in today's NBA. Okay, okay. Um, how about let's go with. Um, Really we only- might be getting close. John Young, the former president and CEO of Hewlett Packard, is an he, Oregon State alum. He probably has made fifty million dollars, but doesn't have fifty million dollars to give Oregon State. All right, you tell me if this guy you think actually made any money on this. Randy Conrad's the founder of Classmates.com. Uh, it depends on when he exited. Okay. And then the one that the, 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 there's one that there, is probably... there's only one reasonable former. <laughs> okay, go on. Bernie Newcomb, co-founder of E Trade. Oh hell yeah, dude! He's he's got that type of bread. He's got that type of bread. Um, Who are you thinking? The Reesers. Salad. Okay, they, they they're the people who are named at, who have the naming rights for Salad Bowl Stadium, but but here is the. Here's the thing. I think the most, I think that there are three, well, four likely, well, three likely outcome, three likely donors. Number one is the Reesers, right? But they would have put their name on it. Like they have their name on the stadium. Right. Like, why, well, why they just they, got anonymous all of a sudden. Yeah. It's a stadium no. project. <laughs> yeah. That has your name on it. Like that's yeah. the, uh, the E-Trade guy. He's not going to donate it anonymously. Nope. So that leaves me with two reasonable options. Number one is Phil Knight. Okay. Um, Because Phil Knight has made numerous donations to, he's made huge donations to Stanford, even though he did go to Stanford too. Um, we, we know what he does for Oregon. He's done things for other universities, particularly in the state of Oregon, to help them out. But he doesn't do it publicly. Uh, so, so he is an option. The other, and they are a Nike school. The other option is the, the boosters club or like the, the people, like they didn't want it to be like that they were paying the $50 million dollars themselves so saying it was anonymous was their best option so i think that that's probably the number one option and then phil nice number two did you know that the founder of u-haul is an oregon state alum 
Hmm. I didn't know that. Does he still own the company is the question. Uh, he killed himself in, in, oh, well, a, in a sui- suicide by car crash back in 1999 uh, in, in, in Las Vegas. So I'm thinking it might not have been him. Correct. Correct. It was not him. Um, so those, I think, are the best options. Who do you, out of, who do you think it was? Uh, I think it makes sense that that it was um, that it was sort of a, a, a group effort uh, that they they wanted to just make sure that you know um, you know I, I, so that it was easy to misinterpret it as a one person fifty million dollar uh, donation. I don't understand the idea of making an anonymous donation to take your attendance uh, capacity down $9,000 or 9,000 seats yeah. um, in an admission that no one goes to Pac-12 football games. It's the same thing that Arizona State eliminated 30,000 seats and it took them $400 million to do that along with other updates <laughs> and upgrades. It's just, it's embarrassing that all these Pac-12 stadiums keep trying to get smaller. They're retracting. Like that's it. Right. And they're taking donations from people in order to do it. It's just, it, it makes you feel kind of weird inside. Hopefully, but I think, I think your theory makes sense. But Phil Knight could do something like that, but ultimately not want it to, to look to Oregon, the Oregon faithful that he's helping a rival or something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, just as long as you do these upgrades right, because they just did a re-ranking of all the recruiting facilities and all the uh, football facilities in the nation. Oregon's redid theirs like over five years ago, and they're still number two in the rankings, but, but behind Clemson. Like they, if you're going to do it, spend the money, do it right. Don't do it half-assed. The way then your stuff's outdated later. Like spend the time, do it correctly. Um, the Pac-12 tournament, the Pac-12 basketball tournament is going on. Oh, well, it, it may or may not happen, but it's still scheduled to go on in Las Vegas. But there are conferences who are considering canceling their Pac-12 tournaments because... Well, the Pac-12 tournament and other their conference tournaments, because they fear that they they'll have to travel somewhere like Las Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament. They could catch COVID while having to move move around and travel, stay out of their own bubbles, and then because we've had so many college basketball games canceled, postponed, all that, and then that could put them in jeopardy of not being able to play in the tournament. So, what would what would you do if you were in charge? I'm just I'm depressed that we're even having this conversation 12 months after we already lost the basketball conference tournaments and uh, March Madness. Like I cannot believe that numbers are still com- like they're getting better in some places, but still completely out of control. Um, it, like what a mess! And so, like I hate that we're even talking about this. I understand the concern. Um, but if everybody has the same exact concern that they don't want to travel to play, maybe they shouldn't gonna... do it. <laughs> right. But so if, if the, everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. As long as you come to us, how does that not present the same exact risk of people coming to you from somewhere else where you can't control? Well, well, the difference. Oh, wait, are, are you talking about for the NCAA tournament? For, for the conference tournament, are you saying, are you saying that people would be willing if you could find a way to like, centralize it around some of the schools that they'd be willing to do it or no. they just want to get rid of it because of the central city. No, 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 no. They want to do, they want to get rid of it because 
it may cause an issue with COVID for the NCAA tournament. So you could win your conference right. tournament and then get infected or, or knocked out. Which is why it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that we didn't just have conference play be a bubble from the big conferences to begin with. Like, if everybody's taking their classes online, why not just bubble it to make sure that people get to play games? You're making too much sense, Ralph. Stop. Stop. No, Nobody wants to hear your common, your common we lose, sense. We're going to lose the NCAA tournament trying to make sure that they didn't spend too much money getting uh, to the NCAA tournament, it, which is going to cost you more money. At least the smart thing is they're having an NCAA tournament in one city. Right. So what? So what? People will just want like a two week break. Is that? I'm trying to understand. Yes. They just yes. okay. Yeah. So so they're gonna supposedly put a break in between, so then they can test teams, make sure everybody's good, and then you'll be so they're gonna bubbled. self bubble, or you'll just get there two weeks early. I I don't know, but but they're talking about bubbling the whole tournament. And, oh my gosh! But if you but if you let one person in, who has it? Now you have destroyed the entire tournament. <sighs> Dude, I hate I hate everything about this. My least favorite thing in the entire world is getting online and seeing what games got canceled that day or postponed. I think the Arizona Coyotes are playing seven games in a row against the same team. Yeah. <laughs> because seven in a row against the same team. Dude, do you even have to game plan by the by the fifth one? Or are you like, ah, nah, nah, we do it, do what we did yesterday. That almost worked. Or that <sighs> Can worked. you imagine going on an 0-5 streak, but it's all against the same team? <laughs> oh, dude, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. But that I mean, then these are the these are the links that people are going to make sure that they preserve enough of a season to be able to to cash some checks. And it just feels everything feels like forced, but also not thought through. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like why? Why were we not just assuming the worst this entire time and, and planning for that? And I, I don't know, man. It, it's it's been embarrassing. Yeah. Um. Final thing, you guys. Oh, and here's the secret Textoso phone number: eight one eight two nine three. 7547. That's 818-293-7547. You guys can text us. We will get back with you. And that's going to be our direct line of communication to you guys when we have giveaways and all sorts of free free things. So make sure you guys share the podcast. Don't share the phone number. They got to come in here to get it. That's just it. Um, these message boards and mods. I, I just had, for me, this was just kind of a parting shot. Okay. I I and you can comment on it. I message boards and mods because there are some that are run like free free flowing exchange of ideas all of that. But then some of these mods are heavy-handed. Like they don't allow any negative criticism of the team. They'll boot you, they'll kick you, they'll and I think that that's stupid and it's lame. Fans should be as long as they aren't being abusive to each other. They should be able to come on and vent, be upset, and say pretty much whatever they want to pay. They're paying a subscription, but now you're being heavy-handed. Oh, I didn't like that idea. Oh, they they said our, our information was shoddy on this topic because it was. 
It's okay. And you've run these sites bit, bit before on Rivals. So mm. what do you have to say for yourself and your peers? I feel like I'm a moderator you'd be very mad at. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't think I'm a keep the peace person because I think that it that like people talking trash and being disagreeable is part of the fun. Like people want that excitement and that action. And if they don't want that kind of group, then they'll go to one that, that has less of it. People can kind of pick and choose what it is they want. And as long as it doesn't get personal and it almost always does. So you, you have to step in and, and, and let people know like, Hey, it's like, you're, you're the one that took it a little bit too far. So everybody has to step back from this or there's going to be a consequence. You just have to kind of manage it the same Locking way that you would a parent. And- yes. However, if I was the one in charge of the forum and it was people that were just going on and like calling me an idiot and giving me $5 a month to like for the right to call me an idiot, I would feel like I was contributing to my own uh, um, uh, demise of, of mental health. That like if somebody's allowed to give me $5 then punch me in the face. <laughs> I would be okay with that. Just keep giving me the five dollars. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not built like that. So I get. I get the people who take it personally and maybe operate a little heavy-handed. That might be the only way that they feel like they can continue in this business with without going completely insane. Because you are pretty much a school bus driver when you manage one of those forums. And I've I've had people. I'll tell you, probably my favorite forum is the Rivals Cal one because it's just super familial. Everybody's always been super cool to me in there. Um, I've had a lot of experience in a lot of other forums, maybe under a, uh, with an anonymity or maybe with a pseudonym before I ever came on to work for rivals um, that I would say that there were definitely times when I was part of the problem. Um, you know, I had a moderator. My, my, my pastor of my church was the moderator of our fantasy baseball league and he straight up kicked me out. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so, so we, you, we've you been in situations point. like that, but I, I will say that as the manager of a forum, granted it's high school, I do keep up, especially cause you're, they're talking about minors. I never really want them to go into talking about other people's kids in a negative way, nor do I want them to talk negatively about like high school football journalists. That seems weird. So I just, uh, I'm, I'm really heavy handed. I don't think you'd like the way I run a forum. <laughs> well, it's okay. You guys, thank you guys for listening to the Fact 12 Apostles podcast. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Make sure you share, use the secret text also line as well. Catch you guys next episode. More pimping big stuff to come, man. <laughs> I don't know why I said that.